Hello everyone, my name is Neil Beyer, Realtor at Olympus Real Estate Group, brokered by EXP Realty. Welcome to the Beat of Billings. I'm really excited for you guys to meet Carter Knight. Carter is a graduate of MSUB and is now a registered nurse at St. Vincent Healthcare and a recent recipient of the Hospital's Daisy Award, which recognizes extraordinary nurses for their superhuman work. I've known Carter for some time now, and he brings positive light and energy wherever he goes. Carter, I'm stoked for you to join me today. Hey, thanks, Neil. You're very welcome. So I want to start off by asking questions that will allow the audience to get to know you a little better. Sounds good. So the first question is, why did you decide on a career as a nurse? Well, Google really helped, honestly. And I'm being real, I was in my senior year of high school and I was just trying to figure out some way to help people. And I wasn't exceptionally good at anything other than just relationships and connecting and just being out in the community and serving. And so I thought, well, I wonder if there's any job that relates to that. I really wanted to be a pastor, but just as I prayed about it, I thought, you know, if I just stuff my head with a whole lot of knowledge about the Bible, I'm probably going to be a little bit too prideful and I'm probably not going to put it into practice. So I'll just keep that as a daily part of my life and I just thought I'll just find the profession that I can best serve people in. But I mean, I was like a C biology student, like I tried, I wasn't that great at it. And so when I Googled helping professions and came across nursing and saw the program that was nearby me, I thought, there is no way I could possibly ever cut it for that. And so I kind of put it out of my head and just kept on being brought back to me as I pray and think about it. And I thought, well, you know what? A miracle would be if I got into nursing school, and that'd be pretty, pretty evidential. If, if that's I get in, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. <laughs> Only about 50% of students that spend the first two years of prerequisites actually end up getting into the program. So I thought, you know what, if a seed biology student can, can, can make their way in, that's probably evidence that, that that's what God wants me to do. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll take the gamble. I have nothing else on the docket. Ended up getting a scholarship that wow. paid for the whole first wow. two years. So not only did you do better than a C, what was your GPA throughout? Uh, well, it was just in biology that I got the C and I okay. had a better GPA. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wasn't a science guy. But I mean, in nursing, isn't there a lot of biology, a lot of science? Hence my trepidation. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, like beyond all my expectations, I ended up being the best in anatomy and physiology. Uh, at the end of the program with the excellent, extraordinary Dr. Castles, which I really credit a lot of the success to him because he's brilliant uh, and I enjoyed listening to him. I think that was kind of the key. I needed someone that I enjoyed listening to um, and that I could see really care about people and have an interest in some of our humans because uh, that really spoke to my passion and drew out uh, what I think God has gifted me with. And uh, at the end of the program, he actually came to his podium and he had this reflux hammer. And he said, I'd like to award this to Carter Knight 
for reflexively answering ne nearly every question correct. And I thought, this is just evidence that this is what God wants me to go into. This because is it. I had no uh, really background that would have told me I would have succeeded in this. And I guess that's what I'd probably tell most people is uh, that the thing, your, your history doesn't necessarily determine your future. Uh, and oftentimes I think people have uh, within themselves something that's undiscovered, uh, some, some gifting that hasn't yet broken through and come to full expression. So that was a really evidential thing. It wasn't because I'm exceptionally intelligent or anything like that. It's just uh, God put me in a place where my passion for helping people, which he gave me, was connected to the really rigorous study of anatomy and physiology. And I think that's, those two ingredients together is what resulted in the success. Awesome. I think you chose wisely. I think it suits yeah. you well. I think it's a good profession for you. Mm -hmm. um, and what was it like when you first started your nursing career? So I first started in February of last year when, if you brought up COVID-19, coronavirus, it was kind of like, ah, Just keep your plans. Yep, it's gonna be good. And then our whole hospital system shifted. All the in-person training I was supposed to receive canceled. All the surgeries that I was supposed to get to learn underneath a preceptor, all of a sudden they're not around anymore. <laughs> and uh, so really I was put in a position where uh, the hospital kind of almost, from my perspective, it seemed like it was having an identity crisis as I was trying to figure out my own identity as a nurse. And that was just something that everyone had to learn how to adapt to. And in that context, I think it was actually really great preparation. I remember reading an article by a African doctor doctor that practices here in the U.S., but is originally from Africa, and he uh, expressed his thoughts that this is normal for him, this kind of environment, this right. kind of uh, experience of persistent shortages in the essentials. He thought, well, this, is <laughs> this has been my whole life career having worked in Africa previously. And so I actually think it was a little bit providential for me to be able to learn in that context because my own heart, my own passion, along with my wife, who's also a nurse, is to be eventually in those kind of contexts where shortages are norm. And in America, we've oftentimes been privileged to not have to figure out what are we going to do as a uh, alternative to you know, mass, surgical masks that we can just throw away and not think about. Now we have to ration them and build new ones and things like that. And the innovation, I think, really um, was a, a good learning experience for me personally. Since you brought that up, if you don't mind me asking, I know that you have spent some time abroad. Mm -hmm. um, within your medical career in the future, do you see yourself serving and helping uh, as a nurse in the medical field overseas? 
I sure hope so. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my wife as well. It's going to be really exciting because we'll be working on the same floor together here soon. And so our idea in that is not that it's all going to be this blissful experience of working with my spouse, but it'll be a context where we can also learn how to be a team so that when we are overseas together and we're the only people who know how to do certain tasks and we have to work together, we'll have already experienced some of those challenges that uh, are just natural to working with someone you're already so close to. So that's something we're actively preparing and, and leaning into pretty heavily. And a major reason for why we ultimately decided on nursing as a profession, given that it is so needed everywhere yeah. from our backyard to beyond. Right. That's respectable. And, you know, I think it is uh, very uh, uh, courageous and brave. And, and so many adjectives can describe what admiration I have for people who go serve and help those in need. And I think you're right. I think the situation you were in here um, kind of helped prepare that for you, for better or worse. I and mean, it was a, probably a stressful and challenging situation. but. You know, I truly believe that we grow and develop the most as individuals and people when we're put in difficult situations mm -hmm. and we overcome those challenges. For sure. Absolutely. So, um, what do you find most rewarding about your job? Without a doubt, my most rewarding moments have been when I just get a kneel down beside someone's bed. They're anxious and scared and just offer if I could pray for them and just spend some time. It's just been awesome. Some of the opportunities that people have welcomed me into. Uh, certainly I'm not going to pray for someone that says no thanks. Uh, but overwhelmingly the response has been, yes, please. And just even a moment that comes to mind is I was admitting a, a woman, and I could tell pretty instantly she's not going to make it long. And so without being blunt, I tried to somehow prepare her psychologically for that possibility seemed quite likely from my perspective. And I, her, her anxiety was tangible. And so we just spent a lot of time talking. I, I, I even got to spend part of my lunch break with her and just praying and reading Psalm 23 together and, and saying the Lord's Prayer. And, and at the end of it, she looked at me and she said, when I came in here, I thought I was God forsaken. And now that you're leaving, I know that God is staying with me. And he's here and present. And it was so meaningful to me because she had expressed how she had oftentimes felt like an outcast that wasn't welcome at church. And she said, I always felt like I was the, the freak in the room when I went in because of various health problems and economic situation that she lived in. And so, to me, this was a huge win because in 
in the moment of her need, someone who had felt like a like a freak, who really is royalty in, in God's eyes, got to experience a little foretaste of what that's like in a very unlikely place. And to me, that that's why I go to work. Such a gift you're giving. I mean, beyond what's required of you. You know, and I think that's actually why you were recognized for either that situation or a similar situation. And imagine that's something that you do on a regular, regular basis, trying to give these people hope and give them uh, love and nurturing during their most difficult times. Absolutely. A dream of both my wife and I is that we can begin to merge together the role of chaplain and nurse. So that is as we're spending time slowly pushing IV meds into someone to help sustain their physical body, that we can spend time talking and praying and uh, counseling their heart spiritually and giving hope in any circumstance. And to me, that really is kind of the only way that I can really make sense of the situation that I find myself in regularly when someone is dying alone. And it just really beckons the question, is there any hope in that kind of situation? And I can tell from being and sitting in those moments that it sure feels like real hope when someone is singing Amazing Grace with their last breath. And it almost seems like uh, the climax of life at the very edge of what we call death. It's right. awesome. Mm. Um, you know, and I, before we were starting this interview, before we put the camera on, you kind of mentioned that's your wheelhouse. And, you know, I've known you now for, I would say, approximately three, four years. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's absolutely true um, in every environment that you're in, is you have this ability, if I may, say so, of really enlightening people and bringing them joy and happiness. And I think that's just the character and what you carry within yourself. So it's a wonderful thing, yeah. What is something most people don't know about the nursing profession or maybe they're not aware of? There's a lot of things I don't know about the nursing <laughs> profession <laughs> that I'm probably unaware of. Oh, uh, wow. I, I would say one thing that really has my heart is the amount of anxiety and pressure that nurses experience. I think we would be absolutely heartbroken if we were able to see into some of the private lives of nursing students mm -hmm. and professional nurses. And so one thing that I think just people need to recognize and know is that uh, it, it's not just honor that nurses need. Uh, it's not just recognition and acclaim and respect publicly, but someone who will just listen to them, allow them to debrief. Uh, and if they're a person uh, 
that, that spiritual praying with them, for them regularly. That was my lifeline this past year. I had a huge list of people that I would just send relentless text messages. Pray for this, pray for this, pray for me, please, please, please. And I guarantee you I would have quit if I didn't have upwards of 50 people actively praying for me, oftentimes on a daily basis for months at a time in the really tough seasons. And so whatever that looks like for, for other people, uh, I think that's one thing that people don't necessarily recognize uh, is that nurses have unique strains and responsibilities. I went from being a relatively uh, carefree college student that doesn't have a kid, that doesn't even have a pet that I have to keep alive on a good day, and now I'm caring for four to five different people each shift who have critical needs that I'm responsible for directly. And, and that, that's a unique situation. Absolutely. <laughs> that's like, that's like if you're, if you're uh, uh, like into cars, that's like an engine that can go from zero to 100 in a split second. Yeah. I mean, that is, that, uh, there's, there's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. So taking care of people around you, you don't need to understand what it's like, you never will unless you're in the nursing profession, but uh, just praying for people or sending them encouragement and however they receive that best is super important. I haven't seen you probably since, I would say for maybe about a year or so. Mm -hmm. um, and when I last saw you, you were just finishing your studies, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, within the last year of seeing you, you've definitely matured, I think. Um, and not that you were immature before, but you just, I can tell that you've experienced a lot. Yeah. You know, that you've grown a lot. Yes. Um, and I think for the better. Yeah. Um, would you say that there's a lot of growth has taken place within the last year? Oh my goodness. Yeah, whether I liked it or <laughs> wanted it or not, I got it. You bet. Absolutely. And it, sometimes felt like I needed to find a way to growth or it was going to wreck my marriage. I mean like, it was a really clear cut, either, either you find a source of strength now or everything's gonna break pretty quickly. So I think that kind of sense of urgency uh, it almost felt like what I would imagine in really rich traditional cultures, like initiation into manhood, yeah. would kind of be like. And, and when I study those cultures, it kind of seems like they're designed for instilling a sense of suspense leading to climax, leading to a resolution. Uh, and so I think that kind of served its purpose in, in a sense. Um, and in our culture, we oftentimes have a lot of excuses to delay maturity. And so there's an infinite number of, of conveniences and services that will help us to postpone 
uh, really being challenged, yeah. essentially. And so this uh, gave no luxury of, of that option. And, and I, I really value that. I think that is something that uh, in the moment, you know, no one likes discipline. I'm sure no one in boot camp is like, yes, this is awesome. I, more. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that. Like, uh, but it, it, looking back, you're grateful for the harder discipline when you're actually in the real war. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think, you know, the thing I really want to fight for it is my my family's home life. And uh, while work did challenge <laughs> stuff at home, it, it also, in, in a sense, instilled a sense of urgency that caused us to say like, yeah, we're in the first year of marriage, and yeah, we need counseling. Yeah, we're in the first year of marriage, and yeah, we need basically everyone's help. And I think that is true of really any honest couple. It's just that we were brought to that honest assessment more quickly yeah. than maybe most. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything that has surprised you about being a nurse? I guess you may have touched on it a little bit in the previous question, but is there anything else that comes to mind that may have been unexpected or, or just surprised you in general about the role, about the responsibilities? Hmm. I think the whole thing has been one package of surprise. <laughs> like, it, and it keeps coming, probably. It right? just, it's a gift that keeps on giving you. <laughs> it, yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of it has, has been uh, a, a recognition that medical care really only goes so far. There is a definite limit. And that's in one of the most advanced countries in the world. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that has really surprised me is just seeing the kind of uh, diseases that we're grappling with on a, a large basis as a nation outside of COVID. Is that probably, I mean, while the layman's probably aware of a handful of them, right? there's probably a significant number that are not as common yeah. that we're not aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, there is, and there's lots of things that are very common, things like diabetes, high blood pressure, but uh, things that become associated, complications that result as, as a result of those baseline conditions are almost limitless. <laughs> it's, it, you really are one human being. Right. Your body really is one system. Right. And so just even seeing uh, how that plays out uh, over the long term in some people's lives and how that results in repeated admissions into the hospital again and again and again shows you we didn't fix it the first time. Right. 
the likelihood of our current system fixing them this time is probably not as hopeful either. And so that really has caused me uh, to step back and, and start to question uh, what needs to change. And what is my real calling as a nurse? And so what I'm really hopeful for and excited about is as I'm experiencing the clinical setting of nursing, it's defining for me very explicitly and with people's life stories, adding a definition to what is nursing outside of the hospital. And as we begin to further define that and practice that, I think we're going to be far healthier as a society. Uh, I, I think as a convenience driven society, which is oftentimes fantastic and I love it. I love being able to drive through and grab a coffee anywhere. But also a habit of ours is we tend to encapsulate things and keep them in their little compartment and not let them out of their little space or sector in society. So, you know, when we have a hospital, we, uh, we keep things in the hospital and if we need to attend visiting hours, oftentimes we'll do so reluctantly and, and not very happily. But it, it, oftentimes we won't just go to the hospital for fun. Right. And uh, on a normal day, that's not necessarily high on our priorities. Uh, and so it, it, it kind of becomes something that we see from the outside, but we don't really address from the inside. And so things like death, things like uh, what are last wishes are not really come to mind very often. And one of the first questions I ask someone when they are admitted into the hospital is, do you have advanced directives? Do you have a living will? And, uh, oftentimes people are like, what is that? What, what are you talking about? I don't know if I want help doing Regardless that. Regardless of what their diagnosis is or, or what sickness they have, you ask Absolutely. everyone. Yep. Is, that, is that required? Is that uh, a standard? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we want to be able to know if something were to go wrong, how would you like us to treat you? How would you like us to uh, manage and plan your care? And also, it's really something that everyone should have because there's a 100% chance that all of us will experience dying. Yeah. So really, it's, it's, it's something though that I think Americans are extremely uncomfortable talking about. Yeah. We don't have very many traditions or um, cultural expressions that help us reflect on dying, like uh, maybe a Hispanic culture might, or uh, many other great cultures of the world will have something that is a regular reminder. Uh, so for us, it, it's really not that way. Um, it's it's, it's, it's avoided and oftentimes laughed at as a, as a coping mechanism. Right. Um, so instead of something like the Day of the Dead, we have Halloween, right. uh, which is a lot more, from my perspective, it, it would seem like a lot more comical, or it doesn't really address like, how we are going to um, process right. death. There's really no message behind the Halloween. <laughs> Right? You actually sit down and think about it. I mean, what is the purpose of Halloween? Yeah. Um, but you're right, a lot of other 
societies, a lot of other cultures, their holidays, their celebrations have, and I would say nearly all of them, I mean, like if you look at Asian culture, their celebrations have uh, a deeper message or a purpose behind them. Halloween, I mean, is an example. I mean, obviously, as Americans, we do have holidays and festivals that do have deeper meaning, but, you know, I, I think you're right in, in, in uh, using Halloween as an example. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's almost the day that we allow ourselves to address death and dying and its bloody, gorsome possibilities, but almost in a way that's comical. Right. Because we don't know how to deal with it any other way. But I've never related Halloween to death, actually, you know? Because I think in many ways, we also use it as a way to have fun, right? And oh, yes. It's a party. It's yes. Dressing up as superheroes. <laughs> and, so I've never actually even put the two together, actually. It, and I think that's exactly the way the American mind tends tends to work uh, in, in how we how we process a lot of those topics concerning death. So it, it may be very explicit death, but you never even associated it in your mind. So it never even allowed you to process or begin to help you think. How do I think about that? Do you think American culture, and maybe Western culture in general, tries to always focus on positivity and anyone that even hints or, or goes towards something that's perceived as negative is considered bad? At least inconvenient. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I don't know if most people that I have connections with would necessarily label it as bad. Mm. Just something that yeah. can happen on a later date. Right. Uh, that oftentimes we're, we're not a culture that wants to reckon with issues that are impending. Mm. Uh, if they're immediate, then we have to address them and we're very capable as a society, right. society of doing that. Uh, but uh, down the road, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it kind of idea. Even if the bridge is broken down, and when we get to it, there is no bridge. So, well then we'll just try to fix it. <laughs> just try to fix it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if a young person asked for your advice on how to live life, what would you tell them based on your life experiences, your experience as a nurse. Um, you've had a wealth experience, wealth of experiences, I think, for your, your young age. Um, what advice would you give to someone who is uh, coming up in age? Hmm. I would encourage them to streamline their profession with their family. I've seen far too many families self-destruct in our culture because the couple is not a team. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that my wife and I are really putting as a priority for our profession is that we're trying to design something we can do together that incorporates our skills into the community outside of work. Uh, something that gets us excited, something that we want to do without being paid to do it. 
And I think that is a key ingredient to continue as a professional because it's a, it, more than a job, it's a vocation and a calling. Something it's not work, it's something you love to do. Absolutely. It's you wake up every morning and you thank God that you're able to have this purpose and Absolutely. know what your purpose is. So for us, what that looks like is something that we call visiting hours. And really it's been our response to the loneliness and isolation that is so pandemic even in and of itself uh, throughout our community. And it's the idea, uh, our, our little tagline is until all are admitted into the caring family of our good physician. And uh, that's how we view Jesus. He's our good physician of the soul. And so we want all people to be included into his caring family. We we'll want to admit them into that. And uh, what that looks like for us is outside of our you know, uh, we don't have an eight to five job. We have a seven <laughs> seven thirty job. Um, but outside of our shift at the hospital, we are in community with people that we'd have no reason to be friends with, except that we believe God told us to be friends with our neighbors, and so. That is a, a regular practice of ours where we are sharing meals and really trying to instill hope in people that will make them resilient when they do need to go to the hospital. And so that also uh, kind of plays into uh, people who have been institutionalized uh, in nursing homes, I think they are the worst sufferers out of anyone. And, and whether you look at the death ratios, obviously, but more so than that, the isolation at such a time of life that's meant to be shared with others. And I think the way God designed elderly years is so that it is an opportunity to where you, you aren't able to do anything besides talk to people about the past. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you're very well suited to do it. <laughs> you're very well suited to do it. And uh, so, they are basically isolated away from their very purpose. And in that, and I think um, retirement homes, some of the hospitals, yeah. are a place that are kind of removed from society. Absolutely. And unfortunately, a place where I think some people hesitate to go. You bet. Because maybe they look at it as an environment that is not positive or is not uplifting. Them. Exactly. And as a nursing home chaplain, uh, that's been my experience for the past eight years. As I go in and host worship services or do one-on-one -on -one counseling and Bible reading and, and and so our hope is that we can do something uh, using our nursing skill set to help shift that mindset. Uh, so one way that we're trying to do that is we've started an internet radio station. 
that utilizes smart speakers, uh, Amazon Echoes, and all the nursing home resident needs to say is Echo, visit family. That's amazing. And it logs them on That's so cool. our radio station. That's so cool. And it's playing music 24-7, and I can go live from my phone and broadcast to anyone. And I can also have people uh, simply send me audio clips that they record on their phone. I'm just even saying, hi, my name's Neil Byer, and I just wanted to say hello. I'm your neighbor. I, I live in Billings, Montana. And I just wanted to encourage you and let you know that you remember. And I can have people send me those audio clips, and I can throw them up onto our internet radio station, and we can have people visit. If, if there's someone watching this who wants to get involved in that, how can they do that? Yeah, so you can actually uh, like us on Facebook, and you can just go to facebook.com slash visitfamily. Uh, we're building everything out, so you're not going to find a whole lot of info on there. Just like it and send us a message. Just uh, trust us. It just trust us. Uh, this is a, a hobby, not a not a uh, organization with people on staff. But yeah, just send a send a message, connect with me, and and people can send audio clips through Facebook or they can email uh, send an email with an attachment. And knowing you, I imagine this is likely the tip of the iceberg in the ways you're trying to contribute and help others who are in situations that may not be perceived as advantageous or positive. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I wish we had more time to learn more about all the things you're involved in. Maybe we can do this another time, or mm -hmm. uh, maybe there's some way we can talk more, promote more different ways you're contributing to society. Because Carter, uh, you know, I've always felt very highly of you. I'm very happy that I had the opportunity to have this conversation with you. And I hope that the people watching had an opportunity to learn something about nursing um, and about our community. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Mm -hmm. I greatly appreciate it. Um, at closing, I know you like to dance. I, I try to dance. There's no music, but you want to do a quick jiggy real quick? Oh no? my goodness. Am I putting you on the spot? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, I think I think I'm gonna pass on on, on I'll, the dance. I'll take a rain check. Rain check, but uh, you know, send me a message on Facebook. Uh, we'll we'll put together in the future some dances here in the uh, Billings community. And and if you want to see, you know, I kind of leave something, you know, that's not on the table. Uh, get, you know, draw people. Got to keep the suspense. That's right. If they if they want to see, you know. Bust a move happen, then then they they gotta come out. They gotta be part of the community. That makes sense. That makes sense. They gotta be my friend. You that know. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Billings, thank you so much for joining us uh, with this first episode of the Beat of Billings. Uh, there will be more to come where we speak to more people in the community who are contributing to our city and to the people who live here and helping to make it what it is. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. This is Neil Byer with Alephas Real Estate Group signing off.